This episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast is brought to you in part by No Judges Needed BJJ Apparel and Lavender Lane CBD Products. You can use the promo code JJT for 20% off your first order at No Judges Needed and the code JJTimes20, all uppercase, last two items are numerical, for 20% off your first order of CBD products. Thank you very much for sticking with us. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. And we are going to see just how much Kevin we could possibly fit into today's episode. And, you know, we wanted to see, yeah, it would be fun to have a third Kevin. We like, But we didn't want to just get any Kevin. You know, we could get Kevin Spacey. We could get Kevin Bacon. You know, there's tons of Kevins that are famous. Yeah, we all want to come on the show. No, we went for you guys and reached to the top shelf. We got a top shelf Kevin for you here today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about him for the man himself talks yeah. to us about the crazy life he's lived. A BJJ black belt, former RFA champion, UFC and Bellator vet, and all-around amazing hunk of man, Mr. Kevin Casey. Mr. Casey, thank you for joining us here today. How are you doing? Amazing. Thank you for the, uh, the great introduction, and I appreciate you guys uh, bringing <laughs> me on. You know, I've been a big fan. I follow you guys, and you know, I love what Aww. you guys do. Oh, cool. Oh, thank you, man. Thank I you mean, know. like, if if, it, if nothing else, you're a great liar, and I appreciate that. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but yeah, there's will a, like, you everywhere. No, no, you have, to, you have to remember, I'm I'm an old school guy. When when I came up, man, there was, there was barely any coverage. You know, we never got any money for competitions, and, and now I've seen what it's evolved to. You know, I see sometimes, you know, I look at you guys have uh, on the Instagram over, over 200,000 followers. You know what I mean? Like I see some of the jujitsu guys with, with million, you know, some jujitsu uh, events with millions of people watching it. And I mean, man, that's a long way, right? Absolutely. I mean, like, well, we, unfortunately, like we can't really take credit for that. We came in to the brilliant uh, setup that uh, Kit and Avery, our bosses, really put together and we basically abuse their platform so we get to talk to really cool guys like yourself but if you if you and if you and and kevin g kevin c and kevin g will indulge me for a bit i got to talk about something that happened to me before i even knew what jujitsu was so my uncle uh used to work with eddie bravo uh he was doing this thing called bjj i was in high school and i'm like oh that's cool that you're doing that he invites uh me and my brother and a few of our friends out to California because there's this thing called Metamoris and a bunch of guys are going to strangle each other. And I'm like, oh, that sounds a little weird, but okay, I'll bite. And then so I we we pile into this antique, the, the, like the top parking lot of this antique car museum. It's the weirdest venue I've ever been to. Everyone's yeah. like crammed into this tent. And I'm just like, man, this a lot of people are really into whatever the hell is happening because I had no idea what was going on. And all I remember is everyone's yelling like, oh, dude, uh, this guy, Vinny, can't make it. Uh, crap, what's the, what are they going to do about the match? I'm like, who's Vinny? Who's who's this? Who's anyone? And they're like, we, we got a 30-minute replacement. Some guy, and I'm like, some guy agreed to take a fight on 30 minutes notice? Who the hell is this guy? And then in walks Mr. Kevin Casey. So, And, and that was one of the first jiu-jitsu matches I ever saw was you versus Keenan. 
So in a real way, this is a sort of coming home episode for me because that that event was one of the things that really got me into jujitsu. So I just I wanted before we got into all the the crazy stuff you've done, I just wanted to say thank you because you you made my life a lot better, man. <laughs> yeah, you know that that's that's such an interesting uh, situation to be in because like literally at that point in time, I was training for the. Uh, the RFA middleweight fight, the, the the title fight. And I think it was on Friday, I trained, I did five five-minute rounds with, with two or three fresh guys. So, I mean, I was already pretty much done. And I'm, I'm at the car wash Saturday, and I get a call from Holly Gracie. And, you know, I'm, what's up, Holly? What's going on? I have this event going down. Uh, you know, I didn't even ask when the event was. Oh, okay, what's going on? Yeah, I had a fighter drop out. Man, can you step in and save the show? And so, you know, right away, I'm like, I got excited right away. Like, yeah, save the show. Yeah, of course. I'm in. When, when, when is it? It's, <laughs> it's today in one hour. And I said, whoa, whoa. I said, what do you mean one hour? Yeah, you have to be here within 30 minutes, and you'll be probably going on the mat in about an hour. And I said, who's the, who's the uh, matchup? He said Keenan Cornelius. I said, oh <laughs> shit. You know, so for me, man, like, you know, just the opportunity to, you know, come in and 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 challenge myself against a guy like Keenan, I couldn't I couldn't resist it. So it, you know, it didn't take too much for me to 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 get on board with, with coming in. But you know, I gave my best my best effort at the time. I, I got a little gas and then he uh he caught me in some, you know, basic basic stuff. You were training for the uh, the middleweight. Uh, was it the title bout, yeah, or was it your that first was, that match? Was, that was uh, RFA's inaugural uh, middleweight championship title fight. So you know, I, I think I fought two two fights previously for RFA, and then the third one was the the title fight. And uh, you know, for for me, man, like I've been pro in MMA since I think two thousand ten. And so a lot of my career has been focused on MMA and I, I stopped competing and stopped um, training as heavily in jujitsu because of all the other disciplines, you know, the wrestling and the, the Muay Thai, kickboxing. And so a lot of times when, when I come into the, the, uh, the, the competitions, I'm not as sharp as I, you know, as I used to be or that I usually am with the jujitsu. It's yeah. So, uh, uh, real quick, just so you you get the call from Hollick, you you um, you have have the match against Keenan. How are you feeling after? Because you've since appeared in a ton of grappling only shows. Like, was was Metamorphosis three your first? I, I really I don't even remember to be honest with you. Like, I, I feel like I haven't competed that that heavily in the, in in the last you know five years or more. Wow. You know, so it's most, most of the time it's kind of like a last minute thing. They need somebody to come in. They know, they know I'm a gamer. And so I, you know, even when I, I competed with the, uh, the EBI, yeah. you know, it was on like a week notice and, you know, so, and most of the time I'm always, you know, I coach at the black house gym. So I'm always around the fighters and I'm always kind of in, in that atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I'm always down to compete. 
Yeah, when you, when when you, when you take a note a, a match on thirty minutes notice against arguably one of the greatest jujitsu competitors in the world at the time, like you kind of build a reputation for a game guy. So it's like, ah, fuck, we need to slot to spill about one hundred ninety pounds. I guess we can call Kevin. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin will do it. So let's just hey, Kevin. Um, I know it's super last minute, but we need you to drive eight hours to Milwaukee uh, for a fight in a Buffalo <laughs> Wild Wings. <laughs> That's funny, man. So you talked a little bit about the idea of training MMA and kind of not being as sharp for an actual jujitsu competition. And that's something that you hear a lot of times about guys that are, you know, getting prepared for the ADCC, you know, particularly Kron. Um, talks about how, you know, he's not focusing on his jujitsu competitions because he's training for MMA. Explain to us a little bit about how that you know, takes away from your jujitsu mindset when you're dealing with MMA in general? Well, you know, the, the biggest thing is you, you come into the game uh, most of the time, especially from the jujitsu perspective, and you're a jujitsu guy. But the bef- like when you engage with someone in, in the cage, the first aspect is going to be the striking, right. you know, and, and most, most jujitsu guys are behind the, the curve in, in that, in that uh from that from that angle so you're trying to play catch up you know and and then it's like it gets to a point where you start overcompensating so now you're you're putting in more time into the striking because you feel like your jujitsu is already up to par but then at the same time you're losing some of that timing that you had with the jujitsu and then let's say let's say you're in a situation like myself it's like you knock a couple people out and it gets addictive, right? <laughs> you know, and, and you get you get more. Unfortunately, because the the general public isn't as educated with with the grappling as as you know the jujitsu community, that they give so much uh, so much more respect and so much more. You, you get so much more props for for knocking somebody out than you do for a submission, and and you know so it, it's 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 almost it's almost frowned upon to be a a grappling in MMA, the pressure from the the promoters, you know, the the fans boo you if you're on the ground. So it, it almost becomes this this sense of, of you trying to, you know, appease appease the people. So you don't you want to have an exciting fight. Well, you want to keep getting paid too. It's, it's part of the thing. You want to keep getting you want to keep getting uh, asked to come back as promoters when exciting fighters. You know, that's part. Of but the that you know that was one of the things that in the beginning of my career I, I told myself I would never do, and then I ended up being right. that guy. Yeah. You know, and you like I said, you, you knock a couple people out, and you get you get addicted to it. Do you think uh, modern MMA is starting to become more educated in? the finer points of grappling and jujitsu to where that now, you know, audiences get entertained. It's always going to be the br- brutality is always going to win out. There's always going to be a knockout where yeah. knockouts are always going to sell tickets. But do you think that like on the average people are becoming more educated with the finer parts of grappling to where grapplers now have a place? I definitely feel that the grapplers have a place and, but, but at the same time, it's like they're the, the, the promoters, they're all about the production value of the show, right? And so what they do is they kind of manipulate even the rule set for to, to kind of tailor it towards the striker. Let's say, for example, I'm in a fight. I'm doing great 
I take the guy down, right? If there's not enough action, if they perceive there's not enough action, they'll literally have the, the, the referee will come in, right. take you off the top position, stand you back up and, and start the fight on your feet. Not because the guy on the bottom technically had the answer for the problem that you posed, because the reality of it is this. If, if I'm skilled enough to keep someone on the floor and they don't have the skill set to get up, that's their fault. Right. So instead of instead of letting the outside, you know, the outside entity, the referee come in and say, hey, you guys have to stand up because the fight's getting a little bit boring. Why are not we penalizing the guy on the bottom for not knowing how to get up? You know, why is it that I can work hard in, in, in whatever round it is and then my hard work gets almost penalized? And then you're standing, you're standing up to fights. And that's that's only for production value. It has nothing to do with with skill, you know. And, and on another note, we look at we look at striking. And as as a as an outside person looking at the striking, you get to see the devastation of the strikes. You know, someone gets hit with a good shot, they get knocked out. You see the devastation, so you feel that it resonates with you. When it comes to the grappling, you put them in an arm bar. And they're tapping quick, so people don't get to see the devastation of the 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 finishing of the technique. So they don't get to feel it in their stomach. You know what I'm saying? So that's why they look at the the submissions and they're like, ah, oh, you know, submissions or this. Well, it's because we have to stop. If we really finish the movement, then they would see just how devastating that that kind of technique is. Or, or even or to, even in a. Yeah. Even in another aspect, when you think about it, and there's terms when you talk about why they stand guys up off of the ground when someone can't get back up again, is you know what people can't see are the the strategical applications of pressure, of breaking down your opponent's will to be able to advance that position. Because you know, yeah. most people in jujitsu, they understand the, the 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 best art of jujitsu is the self defense. Is that I can hold you on the ground. I can apply pressure and maybe you're blocking me for now, but eventually your will is going to give and you're expending way more energy than I am. So as time progresses, eventually I'm going to win that battle. And the idea that guys stand people up, sometimes it takes jujitsu's greatest attributes and kind of limits them because now, fuck, I got to work so hard to get to that damn position. I had him in an awesome spot. I'm completely exactly. strong on the ground. Now you're making a stand back up again, man. And that's that's purely for production value. Right. They want the they want the fight to be exciting. They want the crowd to yell. And, and and I get it, but then I feel like it hurts the the reality of what a fight is. You know, yeah, I, like you should you should be skilled enough to deal with with anything that you're you're faced inside a cage. I think that I will, modern I, 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 sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say I will say that um there are aspects of the ground game that I think were people were slower to kind of warm up to in terms of, I understand that what I'm seeing and I understand how bad it is. Cause I think now when you compare MMA audiences in like the early two thousands or the nineties, even they see an arm bar, they might not necessarily know why that's bad. But I think if you take that same arm bar and put it in the cage, now the audiences are a lot quicker to, go oh i know what that is because the marketing has has informed me of what it is they're like there's enough osmosis we've had enough experience with it that we know yeah. it, even if we can't tell you what it is we know it's bad you know and, and <laughs> do you think that's true <laughs> yeah I have, to, I have to agree with you you know but that from uh 
there, there's an appreciation when you when you when you really know what's going on. Like if when you know how hard it is to pass someone's guard, and then you know you pass a good guy's guard, it's like whoa, he pat he passed his guard. Like right. there's a different level of appreciation for the, the intricacies when you're when you when you're well schooled in in the arts. Does so to kind of bring it back to my original question, just just to kind of make a parallel. So you, you talked about how difficult it is to pass someone's guard, and particularly when you have someone that, that has a good guard. Um, do you think that sometimes the principles of MMA kind of conflict with the principles of sport jujitsu in that regard because you have strikes involved? Do you think it makes – obviously, if I can punch somebody in the face, it's probably going to make it a little bit easier for me to pass their guard. They're not going to be able to sit and rely and vice versa. So now – if you're training for an MMA event and you have to go take a jujitsu event on sort of notice when you haven't really been playing yeah. with the, the intricacies of guard passing and all the intricacies of jujitsu because this person doesn't have to worry about getting punched in the face. Do you think that that, that makes that's part of what makes it tougher to uh, to make that transition from MMA into a jujitsu competition? Definitely. And just the amount, the amount of time that, you know, a, a, a pure grappler is putting into his craft. Right. You know, when I was training for just jujitsu, I would train twice a day, sometimes three times in a day, right. you know, versus being training MMA where you have, you know, two days a week, you're doing two, three days a week, you're doing striking, two days a week wrestling, and then, you know, twice, maybe three times jujitsu. You know, so it's just uh, the amount of, the amount of mat time that you're right. getting and, you know, it, it's hard to, like, there are guys like, you know, Damian Maya who are very successful with, with, with kind of sticking to the, the program and, 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 and going, you know, the jujitsu route. And then you also look at a guy like Jacare and it's sometimes we're like, man, where we don't see his jujitsu as often as we, you know, for, for his level, I feel like he doesn't use it as much as we, we, we know that he has it. Right. You know, so it's like, uh. It, it, a lot, a lot goes into play when we, when we, when you're talking about MMA versus versus jujitsu, and I just think it's about how much time you you invest in something. Because at the end of the day, everything goes out the window when you're in the cage. It's just about muscle memory. So if you've been training, training jujitsu, that's what you're gonna do. If you've been doing striking, striking, that's what you're gonna do. Your body's gonna do exactly what you've trained to do. That's interesting. I, so, I think that's a good point. Or, or if you wanted to go, Kevin. No, go ahead, man. I got something else I could talk to in a minute. Go yeah. um, I just want, I thought it would be, that would be a good place to kick it back towards how you found jujitsu because that was your entryway into uh, martial arts as a whole, from what I understand it. Uh, you grew up in California. I think you started training under Hickson. How did you find jujitsu? Basically, I've, you know, I've been doing martial arts since I was nine. I started with uh, Kempo Karate. But when I moved to, to Torrance, California, I met I met the Gracies. So I met I met Hawks and Gracie when I was, you know, maybe uh, 11, 12 years old, something like that. And, you know, initially, like I, I had no idea what what grappling jujitsu was. And that was my first introduction to to like MMA because they, you know, his family, they had Valet Tudo uh, videos, which, you know, with no rule fights from Brazil. And I mean, these were fights that were like just bloody. I've never seen the. It, it was just pure savage. And they were still doing headbutts back then, you know, bare knuckle. And uh, 
So that was kind of like my introduction. And I always tried to use my style against his grappling. And then I learned very quickly that, you know, once you get taken down, if you don't know what you're doing, it's, it's, uh, it's a done deal. And, you know, from there, you know, I went on to, to see Hoist, you know, win the UFCs. And, you know, Hoist was a guy that I hung out with in the backyard and ate barbecue. So it was kind of like I had these, these almost like superheroes as, as guys to look up to. And, you know, they had nice houses, nice cars. And, and I said, wow, you know, martial arts can be something that you can survive off and have a good life off as well as, you know, competing. That's cool, man. Like, so did did you do the majority of your training uh, with Hickson, or did you did you train with with because uh, you got your black belt from Hickson, right? Hickson and Cron. Hickson and Cron, yeah. So I, you know, I um I I had never trained uh, anywhere but but with uh, Hickson and Cron, and then um, as I got to be like, I, I trained a little bit um, as a youth with with Heron and Henner because I went to to high school with them. So yeah. we trained a little bit, but I was mainly like I got committed and, and trained with uh, Hickson and Crone. And, you know, I was Crone's training partner for, for like 10 years. That's awesome, man. Tell me a little bit of what it's like. Just, I mean, because Hickson's another one of those characters that, you know, he doesn't come out in the public eye very much, but he's universally agreed upon as one of you know, the greatest jujitsu competitors, minds, you know, like a god of jujitsu. And it's fun because, you know, us as jujitsu practitioners that don't really recognize him can create whatever images we want to of him. Tell us a little bit of what it's like to be around him. Well, Hickson, like, he, he has a, a special, a special energy. You know, and, and the only thing I could say, I've never been around a real samurai. Right. You know, but it, like he's he's what I imagine that a, a real samurai warrior would be, you know. And, and if you look at his, his mannerisms when he when he's around his students, when he's around his family and just overall how he treats people like this is just a good natured human being, you know, and and. You know, when it when it came to to jujitsu and, and training with them, it was like it always felt like I was training against or training with 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 the machine. You know, so it almost felt like his uh, his level of, of tightness and his level of, of of pressure. It just felt like like you're you're dealing with the machine. You know, and um, yeah, man, just just even being around Hickson is is it's been a great great inspiration for me. You know, I didn't have a father growing up, and Hickson was was like a father figure to me. You know, and, and uh, yeah, man, it's 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 just uh, I think it's a it's it's a, it's a blessing for 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 the whole community to even have an example like that to kind of let things uh, evolve evolve from. He's like so, a, he's our Bruce Lee. Yeah, he really is. And like, you know, I've, I've talked to two, two people come to mind and we've had plenty of people that come on and talk about the other guy, Ricardo Laborio or Ricardo Laborio. And then obviously Hicks and Gracie, those are the two guys that come to mind when I think about like, just if you think about the gods of jujitsu, those are the two dudes that are like, and it, it's fun again, because they came up at a time 
before YouTube in a time before we had instant access to watch other matches. So yeah. everything about them. Yeah. The, the legend just, the, the legend just built from word of mouth, exactly, you know, it's just exactly. like, and, and by the time it got to the hundredth person, these guys go from being mere men to just being giants, you right. know, and we're all, we're all, we're following their, their path. That they and lead. it's refreshing to be able to speak to someone like yourself that has firsthand knowledge of their greatness to in turn be able to reinforce what we believe to be true. So it's, it's pretty, it's I'll, I'll pretty tell cool. You, uh, I'll tell you a story about Hickson. Oh, please know? do. Please do. Like, <laughs> he, he this, and this is some, like some, some mythical, mythical shit right here. You know, he, <laughs> uh, he trained, he trained the, the, the wild blue Jays in his backyard. You know, he had a house in, in uh, the Palisades, you know, so he had kind of like trees on his, on his property. And he trained the Blue Jays. I don't know how he trained them, but he trained them to come to his finger at his call. So he would make a sound and just go. <laughs> and it didn't matter where where you were on the property, the Blue Jays would come to his hand. And I'm like, how did he how did he do that? You know what I'm saying? Like right. you can't, you can't, you know. It's it's yeah it's it's that it's that next level like, understanding yeah the next level understanding of nature that only comes from someone that has the complete mastery of something. I talked about it a lot. You know, I'm a black belt, and you know, I consider myself to be somewhat a master of jujitsu. I don't call myself master, but to get the general idea, when I've mastered, not mastery, but I've got a mastery understanding of the art of jujitsu because I've been doing it for 13 years, and I put my entire life into understanding one thing. And what I've noticed is once you become, once you have a level of understanding of one thing in that regard, it makes you understand how other things function in a similar manner. So thereupon I could pick apart other philosophical principles and figure out how the cogs and the wheels turn and putting that into terms of Hicks and Gracie, like he has such an amazing, like, otherworldly understanding of jiu-jitsu thereupon now he can take that insightfulness and turn it into training wild blue jays to come rest on his fingers it's just amazing yeah, un unbelievable unbelievable yeah. i don't know if you guys have seen the show narcos but there's a scene where pablo escobar is complaining because he spent like a million dollars on these birds that were supposed to like be trained and he couldn't get him to do anything and meanwhile, Hickson just got on his own, just like training all these birds. Like, hey, go go over there. <laughs> you go over there. There's an amazing like righteousness yeah. to that man, like an understanding of nature. It's 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 it's, it's, it's just like you said, a modern samurai. It's it's hard not to uh, to think of it in those terms. Are you sad, lonely, scared? Do your friends point and laugh at how bad your outside heel hooks are? Have you given up hope? Well, chin up, comrade! BJJ Black Belt and purveyor of fine coffee, Josh Starlord LeDuc is here to change your life. Buy his new DVD, Quantum Breaking Mechanics, with the link in the description to gain all the secrets of foot mangling and knee wrecking to destroy all who stand in your way. Now Josh doesn't know we're sharing this, so act fast before he finds out and unmakes us with the power of his mind. Shit, that's him. Oh, he's pissed. Uh, anyway, I, I gotta go, but uh, click the link and uh, always heal hook responsibly. Let's talk a little bit about um, Hickson's jiu-jitsu philosophy. 
And I'd, I'd like to get your your impressions on that because this is a heavily debatable, uh, debated topic recently when we talk about sports jiu-jitsu and how it has kind of morphed away from the um, the uh, the principles of what BJJ as a uh, martial yeah. art was designed to be. What do you now? What do you think about that? Now you know basically it's like. Uh, the whole the whole foundation of, of what jujitsu was was built upon was self-defense you know the 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 application of being able to defend yourself in in a real fight situation you know so that's that's what what jujitsu was basically kind of like that's what that's what in the beginning they they made it about it was about self-defense and being able to defend yourself and now you know the the sport it's uh, it it's it's different, you know, because it's not so like some some academies are 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 pure competition schools, you know. So they're teaching you, they're teaching strategy, they're teaching the 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 newest positions, and then they kind of get a little bit further away from being able to actually defend yourself in in a real altercation. And you know, I think I think personally at this point, I think there's a place for 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 all of it you know but for me to to when i look at being a black belt if you're a black belt but you're not even you don't feel comfortable or confident enough to defend yourself in a real fight like what it was the purpose of you training all those years you know like one thing i feel feel great about in life is that i don't have to fear anyone you know it doesn't matter who they are how big they are i don't have to fear anyone because i feel confident and comfortable that I can handle the situation and defend myself. I might not be able to beat everyone, but I damn sure can defend myself and I feel confident in that. And so to me, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, when you're, when you're a jujitsu practitioner, you should strive to be good in, in all areas of the sport. You know, we see a lot of, we see a lot of guys who are, who are, who are very good at one aspect or, or different aspects of the game, but then they're not complete. Like some guys you'll see, okay, he's a black belt when he's on your back, but when, when you mount him, he's a blue belt. Or this guy has really good sweeps and really good lapel, lapel grips and controls, and then you put him in, in no gi and he's not as good. So a lot of, a lot of everything that, that the, the, the Hickson Jiu-Jitsu was based upon was less of dependent on the gi more of self-defense and, and controls of the body that, that you should be able to be just as effective as you are with gi that you are without a gi, just as effective in an MMA fight as you are in, in any aspect of, of the game. And so, you know, that's that's why I feel like sometimes the the sport aspect can kind of make it, make it uh, guys are, are, are specialists. You know, they have they have they have strategies. They specialize in certain things versus just being like all the way around complete. Yeah, I I I agree with you in that regard. I think that again, in the same way that MMA is evolving just because it's becoming more mainstream, I really think that a lot of the younger guys are starting to become more complete grapplers. I think there was a time in the early stages of jiu-jitsu uh, competition 
where guys were specialists. You had guys that were your leg lag specialists. You had your guys that were your, you know, your your positional specialists, your 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 guard passers, your freaking this and your that. I think that now in the same way that guys that do MMA, there's no such thing as like this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy, this guy's a striking guy, this guy's a that guy. You maybe you may have an area of expertise, but if you don't have a complete game, you have no business being out on the mat. Um I also think that I agree with you a lot on that regard because I think, you know, being a, being a jiu-jitsu black belt is like having a superpower. I mean, I, I work I, – again, I always talk about this. I bring it up all the time. I bring it up again. Why not? I work in bars, and I have to freaking subdue people, put them on the ground all the freaking time. And it's literally just like it's, it's, it's like having a superpower. People that don't train don't realize that. Like they're, you're completely helpless. <laughs> Please don't fuck with like, me. I, you know, I, you know, I, yeah, my coach would all, my coach Ed would always talk to me about it, and we're both big Star Wars buffs. But it's like you have the Force, you know. Yeah. It's it's this thing that you can just you tap into and utilize. You carry it with you. It's 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 incognito and conspicuous until it it it's not until everyone else is aware that you can that you have and you can use it and you trust it. And it's like it surrounds you. It protects you, and all wherever you go. You know, and that that's that's really what keeps me on the mats, you know, just that feeling because you, you like you get addicted to knocking people out. You get addicted to that feeling of safety that you you feel because, you know, yeah. that in this crazy world, hey, I can you know, I can throw down if I have to. But yeah, but my question was 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 this was, you know. I, I believe that someone that is I, – and, and I don't even like to talk about this anymore because I think that, that sport jiu-jitsu and self-defense jiu-jitsu, I understand that there are definitely parts of self-defense jiu-jitsu that are important. I wish that I spent more time with some of the combative things, and I really – as my goal, I really want to start searching that out because I really think it's important to know the combatives, and I'd like to be able to teach that to other people. For those principles, I had Kurt Osiander on a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the same thing, about how the combatives are pretty much everything. Like, all the other stuff is cool. It's great to train jiu-jitsu. And, you know, when we do jiu-jitsu in a competitive setting, you know, we like to branch off. And when we're doing jiu-jitsu in a, in a self-defense situation, it's very basic, very simple. Like, you know, you're not going to have to know a whole lot of shit. You're going to fucking – like take them out on somebody in the belly, take their back, put them to sleep, or just hold them there. It's, it's very just, simple. You gotta, you gotta know yeah. how to fucking throw them and fucking do that, we motherfucker. Also, <laughs> we we also we also have to look at you know like how how is jujitsu serving the community? You know, like are are we just uh, are we just now making it uh, or sport, or are we are we really focusing on on helping people the weaker people in society who really truly benefit from this? You know, and and I look at some gyms that are, you know, competition schools and it's like a weaker person coming in is going to be intimidated in in that environment. You know, whereas, you know, you 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 kind of focus it around a a self-defense and now we're, we're uplifting, you know, the people, some of the people in society who who generally will be living in fear, you know, and and so like it's hard to kind of lose lose that in in the evolution as, as jujitsu continues you know we have to remember what what jujitsu is about it's about empowering the weak 100%. actually uh you um i i wasn't planning on going super deep into this because i couldn't find a lot of info but i think your your brother keith sets up set up a program with a similar aim to that about using martial arts to empowering 
uh, disaffected youth. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it's no longer functioning, but at one yeah, point that's we, right. we had a we had an organization called Champ, and what it was designed to do was was kind of bring uh, martial arts into like the uh, to, to to help the at risk youth. You know, for for myself, I was a I was a kid who was uh, who you know who had a lot of issues. You know, no father figure. You know, I was I was a lot of times hanging around the wrong crowd, but martial arts really helped to to give me balance and really, really help me to, to find a focus and, and a purpose. And so, you know, for me, it's all, it's always going to be about trying to give back and, and, and trying to empower, you know, cause there are a lot of people out there who, who, who don't have what, what I feel like came naturally to me, but, you know, through my, through my years of, of teaching, I, I know that you can, you can build that in, in people. You know, sometimes you have, you, you know, you have a room full of, you know, full of people and everyone has a different need. And as an instructor, you have to be able to to be there and help facilitate that that growth and, and, and help people to evolve. You know, and, and I, I just don't want the, the jujitsu community to lose that. Yeah, I, I think I think that, too. Um, I just there's a part of me that, again, I understand you know, as the as jujitsu has grown to the next levels that we have, and the reason why it's grown and reaching it, it's a it's a it's kind of a catch twenty two, right? So, in order for us to reach more people, jujitsu needs to become a little more ma- mainstream, and the way it becomes main more mainstream is through the promotion of competitions because people watch competitions to get involved in one. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool! I want to try that. Um, in order for competitions to become more exciting, just like the same parallels with uh, MMA goes, you know, we have to keep things exciting. We have to keep make people, you know, you standing back up again because we're trying to keep the the the, the promoters yeah. happy and things like that. So, the idea of jujitsu becoming more of a sport is on kind of the inevitable side effect of the the sport growing. I believe that, in my opinion, that even training as a sports jujitsu practitioner, you, you're still just as freaking. I mean, it's a hell, still hold a lot, hell of a lot better than not doing any jujitsu at all. And you know that kind of give and take is about where I run because, again, I'm 100 agree with you, man. Jujitsu is the ultimate training session. I've seen it take it takes one of the few things in the world that will take the weak and make them strong and the strong and give them humility across the board. It, it gives you yeah. what you need. And I think that's kind of where, where we go to with that. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with you in, in that regard. How much, how much difference in, 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 in some specifics, maybe how much difference in, in what uh, you learn from the Gracie Academy and, and Hickson BJJ, because I know Hickson's very big on that. Like he, he, he'll he even goes so far as to not allow you to wear your black belt when you go to his academy if you're not a Hickson Hickson uh, Gracie black belt. How much of from yeah. a full philosophical uh, approach do you think his his uh, teaching his teaching and and some of what we see in modern jujitsu is different? Yeah, it's 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 hard to say, you know, because I, I don't know how how everyone else teaches, 
Right. You know, like I see what I see what God I see what the trends are. Right. You know, and, and, and sometimes I see that uh you know I the way the way I was taught, everything was about about pressure, you know, pressure, escalate the situation for for your opponent to have a hard a hard time. You know, and, and now it seems like the game is very flowy, very loose and you know, a lot of lot of you know more more aerial aerial things which, which I don't see like the, the, the game is as tight. You know, and right. then you look at a you look you look at a guy like um like Shanji who who came from that that same style of like that that Hicks and you look at him competing, it's like man, Hodger, man, very, very like like almost I don't wanna say basic, but it's like almost the 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 concept isn't too too crazy. Right. You know, and, and now you know you got Baron Bolo, you know, you got Worm Guard, you know, you got the yeah, and, and I think I think it's all cool, you know, and it it, it all it all relates. But you know, uh, the the Hickson style was was very much like, let's own, let's do what is absolutely absolutely necessary. Give your opponent as least space to to have an opportunity as possible. Yeah, and you know, and I think that just to kind of piggyback off on that, when you talk about what the basic fundamentals of my understanding of it, the basic fundamental of jujitsu is when you watch all these. Gracie, uh, you know, with the Gracie fights from the old school days, you know, when they had the the, the gym storms and stuff like that. Um, you know, when when you put your opponent under duress, the name in a game is making your opponent work harder than you are. I'm calm on top, presenting pressure on you, which is making your heart rate go up, which is making your body move to 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 to, a, to your adrenaline dump. It's making everything, all your all your energy levels, slip away to where eventually you're helpless to my desires because you can't physically do anything else and pressure increases that because you know oh my god this hurts now i gotta move Gee, harder okay Kevin, make, you're make actually i don't, I don't know you're actually part, but, yeah. <laughs> no right my bad that <laughs> I was say, you're, <laughs> you're actually I was like, stressing whoa, whoa. me out <laughs> are we still talking about jujitsu <laughs> <laughs> no i'm, fucking, I'm fucking with you that's funny kevin that's kevin funny. just looks off screen <laughs> to the pile of bodies like, that are <laughs> off camera <laughs> quiet <laughs> well funny. i i think i think just to, to tie up the hickson uh stuff because i want to get into your upcoming uh, match at Submission Underground before we wrap up. Um, Hickson is one of those guys that seems very much cast in stone and bronze. Like he's the same forever. Like he's, he's, he's an unchanging figurehead. But you've known him for for decades now, you know, and, and compared to when you first met him to I don't know what your relationship is is like these days or how often you talk. But has he has have you noticed any significant changes in him in the time since you met him as a kid? Yeah, I mean, you know, right now he he's living just a, a a good life, and I think that uh, you know, for I think if I had to say from from just purely my opinion, I think that there's there there was always such a, a big demand on on Hickson to be who 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 he is, you know, from a young age, the pressure of of you know being the family champion and and representing and being undefeated and and all that you know like everyone everyone always wanted something from Hickson as long as I was around you know I wanted something from him everyone wanted something from him his time his attention you know his approval and and I imagine that you know that that puts a lot of stress on a person because 
you know, they, they always have this, this kind of pool, pool for them. And I, I think in the, in the, in the recent years, he's more focused on himself and enjoying his life, you know? And, and, and I, you know, for some, sometimes there was times where, you know, I would want certain attention, you know, I'm fighting in the UFC and I'm like, man, I wish Hickson would come and help. And, you know, and, and, and the selfishness of, of, you know, what I wanted from him made me feel like, well, why, you know, how come he's, he's not doing this or doing that? And then at, at the end of the day, you're like, man, like, the guy wants to be happy you know yeah. let him be happy you know we're why you know we're all pulling we're all pulling at him you know that's for the not for the knowledge and for the you know for the attention for the respect you know that's another very underrated part of i mean i again i think about it on myself and i'm nowhere i mean i'm minor like i did it for about three four years of competing all the time and trying to be ready and like in the constant like edge of having to be on top and you know when you think about it from prepared for your fights when you think about it from from hicks and grace's point of view like you know he was thought of as the greatest thing on the planet and you have to uphold that image for so long and you constantly have to prove yourself and people want so much for you to come teach them and show them and be around at the end of the day it's like bro like i love you you guys are all great i always love jujitsu but like somebody else take the torch for a little bit i want to go play with my blue jays (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I I didn't even realize until later how much, how much, how, how like how much my expectations were, you know. And and then I realized like it kind of hit me one day like damn like I'm trying to like you know everyone's trying to drain his energy, yeah, you know. And it's like it, it takes a lot to get on the mats with people and and train with everybody. Everybody wants some, right? You know. And it takes and, you know uh, shit. It makes you hate something. It makes you hate the thing you love. When you feel like it's become a burden instead of something you're doing for your life. It's a more testament to his greatness to be able to step away when it was time. Yeah. I mean, okay, so let's just get right into it, though, because I think in terms of you, – you spoke earlier of you're, you, you're seeing jiu-jitsu evolve, and your jiu-jitsu is very much that, that tried and true, like Hicks and Gracie style. You have a match coming up with – a person that I think embodies the idea of the the bleeding edge, like tenth planet, trying different things, like yeah. innovating in different ways. In Boogie, uh, shout out to Boogie. We, we hope to have you back on soon, sir. But this is a matchup really got me going. Not just because it's two two of my favorite uh, competitors to watch, but just because of the ideas of just like old school Gracie Jiu Jitsu versus that that acrobatic and inverted and flexible like 10th planet rubber guard. How did you feel uh, getting approached for this matchup? Like how did this matchup come to be? Well, I I competed against Boogie in, in, uh, Meta Morris and you know, the guy was a stand, stand, stand up dude, you know, nothing, nothing but respect. You know, I have big respect for, for Eddie Bravo and and all those guys. So it's, it's never been like, you know, bad blood. And so, you know, when he called me out, I felt like he did it in, in such a respectful way that it, you know, wasn't anything to get up, upset about. And uh, I looked at it as um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity because a lot of uh, because of my absence to, to the competition scene, a lot of the new new people, they don't necessarily know who I am, you know. And, and right now it's like I think I saw that uh, the matchup was like. 80% thought that he would win, 20% thought that I would win, 
And I looked at that and I, I laughed at it. But at the same time, I'm like, wow. So this is just a great opportunity for me to come in and, you know, make some noise. I went, um, I went against uh, Craig Jones, you know, in, in, the, in the submission underground the, the last time I was out. And Craig caught me in like, I think it was like three minutes. And, you know, he has a, he has a, a game that's, uh, you know, very, very difficult to, to, to go against, especially considering that it's hard to find training partners who do that particular style, you know. And, and I don't think that uh, Boogie has that same kind of effectiveness or, or um, viciousness when it comes to the, the leg games. I know he, he, he attacks the, the, the feed and he goes for that kind of stuff. But I don't. I don't think he has the same type of game to give me uh, the same kind of problem that Craig did. Yeah, man, um, you're absolutely right. Like it's it, the thing about Craig Jones is is like, well, you know, if you want to roll with Craig Jones, I mean, he's gotten way better than in the past. He's becoming a little bit more complete grappler. But if you want to train, train with Craig Jones, you just have to worry about beat that inside heel hook. Oh, cool, just train with guys that are going to know how to do the inside heel hook. But no one on the planet is as good at finishing the inside heel hook or getting into the inside heel hook as Craig Jones. So good luck finding guys. You, know, well, you can well, find more, guys. More than anything is the entries, you yes. know, because like it, when, when the guy comes up with a creative entry that you haven't seen before, you know, right. it's one of those things where it's like he catches you with it once and then you won't get caught in that same entry again, you know, but it's like sometimes when, when guys do things you haven't seen, they that's when it, it catches you. 100%. You know, when you, when you've seen it, you know what I'm saying? And so, and that's, uh, you know, th these guys, are, what they're doing now, man, like it, it's, it's on another level, the leg games, you know, the, the, the tightness that, that goes into the, uh, the sequence, what, what, what they're doing, you know, the Gordon Ryan's and the, you know, Gary Tonin's, but, but not everybody is, is as good as those guys are doing it. I mean, this is this is a this is a pretty exciting fighting man. I'm from I'm familiar with Boogie. He's a buddy of mine. I trained with him a bunch, and I've competed against him before in an EBI style match. And he's a he's a fun grappler, very explosive, very dynamic. Going to keep going at him, and I think that you have a very good game that poses him quite a bit of uh, of problems. I have a very I I, I gave him some problems too because I have I'm sure I, me and you were very traditional jujitsu minded I have a very similar game than you do, and if you can lock him down and and, and work from there, it's it, it it gives him a hard time. But man, he's sneaky. He's slick and moves all the time, and he's just it's going to be an exciting match. Again, that kind of clash of a more traditional approach to jujitsu to kind of the new, you know, if you've got yeah, two the, two the examples. Pressure. Right. The pressure that I'm gonna put on him is is gonna be hard for him to to, to deal with. It's gonna be a tremendous, you know. Like I weigh I weigh about 230 pounds right now. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm coming in, <laughs> bringing the heat. You know what I'm Kevin Casey bringing that thick boy heat. <laughs> what I hey, real I, quick, I, I'm, just, I'm just shit. I'm just realizing that if I knew nothing about jujitsu and you showed me this poster, I'd be like, "Why is Luke Cage fighting Rasputin?" <laughs> like, what? what? That's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm just like, why is this wizard guy fighting the superhero? <laughs> well, I mean, this is actually gonna this is gonna be the latest in a ser in like a ton of for, of appearances for Submission Underground that you've done. Could you like comment briefly on? Uh, how, how it's been working with the organization before we wrap up. 
yeah, this this is uh you know Chell Chell Sonnen, you know, he uh he runs submission underground and he was actually my coach on uh season seventeen of the Ultimate, the Ultimate Fighter. Fighter. Yeah, so we've always had a, a, a good relationship and we keep an open line of communication. So, you know, once I saw that uh submission underground was was going down, you know, I ate hey, I told him I wanted to be a part of it and he made it happen. So right now I've only had uh two other appearances, you know, considering, you know, what's been going on with the uh, you know, the situation with, with coronavirus and all that. But, you know, I, I felt like uh, I got tired of sitting around and Boogie called me out, so let's do it. Man, Boogie, Boogie's, uh, uh, Boogie's cool, just like you said before, man. I I can't think of too many other people in the jiu-jitsu world that I like more than Boogie, man, dude. Like, I think we have a <laughs> lot of egos in this world right now in the jiu-jitsu competition scene and whatever. I don't want to comment on that, but I think we got a lot of guys that <laughs> – the scene is kind of turned into uh, – it just happens. You know, people get bigger than the sport, think they're big time, and try to, like, push that agenda. But, like, Boogie is as cool as they come, dude. He's such an awesome dude. Just so you can, you can, you awesome can kick his ass. You could kick his ass, and then he'll afterwards he'll be like, yo, you want to go to Disney World? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for stopping by, man. This was an awesome talk. We we uh, we had a blast. We hope you come back at uh, point if you ever want to plug. Uh, if you have anything you want to plug at this point, now's the time to, to shout it out. Uh, we'll, we'll put up links to it. Yeah, just give me a – give me a uh... – a follow on Instagram, King Kevin Casey. Appreciate I'm gonna the support. Her, I'm going to hit it right now, man. And, dude, man, just for what me. What are you doing like, not following? I, I, I probably do already. All I'm going to say is this. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I think you're awesome, man. I, I know you go back old school. Um, I remember watching you in, in the Metamorphs, and, and you were on a couple of Metamorphs and, and watched you compete. And I saw you on the Ultimate Fighter, and I always thought you were a super cool dude, man. So, like, and again, Thank you, brother. someone that – Someone that from someone that that also respects the the old school fundamental jujitsu style. I, I I look at you as the, as a brother, the same thread, man. So go out there and do some work this weekend, my man. One hundred percent. Yeah, man. Boom. Go yeah, get it again, done. Again, you'll you'll be able you'll be able to catch uh, the the whole submission underground card July twelfth, I believe. Thank you guys so much for joining us again, Kevin, Kevin, and Kevin. Both all all three of us sign off. Uh, we're Kevin. happy you were able to join us. Three headed, we're a three headed dragon right now, named Kevin. <laughs> awesome. But I've been Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host Kevin Gallagher and special guest Kevin Casey. Uh, peep our 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 Kevin Trio podcast dropping next month. <laughs> all right, we will see you guys. All right, Good night. Guys, thanks. Yeah, man.